This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 13th, episode 1891. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this endurance episode of Horses in the Morning. Karen is here the second Tuesday of every month and has been, well, actually, Karen, I looked it up this morning, and you did your first interview with Helena and I on the Stable Scoop show in May of 2012, six years ago. Wow. You've been <laughs> hanging around for six years. And six we've probably years. been doing this show Woo-hoo. for, what, five years? Uh-huh. Yeah. So wow. So thank you so much for, for a lot continu- of fun. continuing to do it. And the endurance episode's always in the top five episodes every month. So people are still listening. Yay. That's good. <laughs> and you know, I've talked to a couple of people recently that have become auditors that uh listen to the endurance episode first. They're endurance riders. Great. Yeah. So that's always good to see too. Well, we are uh we have a big show planned for today. So Jennifer, what is coming up? Coming up on today's Horses in the Morning Endurance episode, Karen has tips on staying warm in and out of the saddle. Amazingly very appropriate, considering it's the middle of March. And then next up, Keith Kibler gives us a scoop on riding in gated endurance horses. And the AERC Partners Award winner, Stephanie DuRoss, stops by. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Well, we have a, as Jennifer said, we do have a big show planned for you today. But uh, let's, Karen, let's ask you first about you are heading out to do the 20 Mule Team ride in California when we talked last. And how did that go? Right. Actually, we were able to complete. We did have something unusual happen that has never happened before to Chief on a ride. And he got kicked. Oh, wow. When we, we were just trotting down the trail. Everything was going pretty good. Uh, there was a new rider, and he asked if he could ride with uh, me and my junior, who was on my other horse, Bo. And we said, okay, sure, because he wasn't sure how his horse was going to handle the start, if it was going to get excited. And uh, um, and so we were trotting along, and we were like probably 20 miles into the ride, but we were still before the very first vet check. And, of course, um, uh, the irony of, like, the Murphy's Law, the one time my horse chief gets kicked in his entire life by a horse that has borium studs on his <laughs> shoes. Oh, wow. And so it got him right in the back leg on the side of the hawk. And of course, a gray horse, you only need like a drop of blood. <laughs> and mm. it looks like, you know, the walking dead. Mm-hmm. And so so uh, we made it into the vet check and we surprisingly managed to get through that next check. And then the next one, and then the was final one. Um, a little bit, yes, yes. It was. It was. But obviously, cut and... was not lame on it. 
Um, it wasn't, no, he was able to finish. And this was also a dual sanctioned AERC and FEI ride. So if he had been lame on it, you can bet I would have been pulled. Um, so fortunately he was able chief. I mean, he's just really tough. Um, we managed to get through the ride, which, which turned out really good, um, you know, for us because this was the start of Chief's 17th ride season and Bo's 12th ride season with um, the junior just turned 11 like a couple of weeks before the ride. So it was her first ride as an 11-year-old on a, on a 50. And, of course, she's done a few other 50s with me last year. So we had a, a pretty good adventure on that did ride. She, or did he come up and, lame after? No, he was starting to get a little bit of swelling and I think he probably would have, you know, stiffened up a little bit. So like when we came into the finish, we pulled our tack and vetted right then rather than wait and, and give it time, you, you know, to stiffen up. But um, he was able to, you know, get through and, and earn his completion. And um, we're just going to be even more careful <laughs> than we have been next time. Um, Cause that was just a really fluke kind of thing to, to have happen. Yeah, that is kind of fluke, you know, but it's amazing. My uh, scooter got kicked in his front shoulder uh, the other night. Wasn't swelled up like crazy. Wasn't blame at all. You know, wow. it's amazing how, how tough they are sometimes. It is. It is. And then when we went to California from Nevada, we, the first time we stopped to fill up diesel, it was like sticker shock. I guess California has enacted all these new taxes and fees and diesel is almost a dollar a gallon more over there than it is where I am in Nevada. Now, what? Uh, so how was the ride overall? How was that one overall? <laughs> Oh, the ride overall was really good. Uh, it was a little bit windy. They had several distances going. I believe they had like a intro ride, a 35, a 50, an 80, and a 100. So they had, it was extremely well managed. I got to give them credit for that. A they did volunteers. a great that's the first job. <laughs> yes, the volunteers and the timers keeping track of all the different distances, the FEI riders, the AERC riders, all the different vets. They had multiple out vet checks, which always you, you know makes things a little bit more of a challenge the trail was marked absolutely perfect though i never once had to question where we were or which way to go it was just clear as as day it was fantastic so uh, from that point of view it was a really nice ride and we got really nice uh big tall coffee mugs for completion awards very good. Well, we have a surprise guest here on the show this morning, and she is coming to us from about a mile off the ocean in Rhode Island under a blizzard warning at this point. And remember, Karen, we just said that your first appearance on Stable Scoop was mm -hmm. six years ago, like a couple days. Uh, uh -huh. And well, we have Helena on here, who was the host of Stable Scoop at that time and who's under a blizzard warning. Hi, Helena. Good morning. Good morning, Glenn. Hi, Karen. So you, you just called us a minute ago and then dropped off. Uh, why is that? <laughs> because the power went out. Right after I said good morning to Jen, the power went out. <laughs> Jeez, it's starting already, girl. This is like your third big storm in like f three weeks. It's crazy. And, and it's our fourth power outage since we moved into the new house. <laughs> so what do you expect? And we're, we're not... We're closer to the ocean now than we were in our previous house. So we're just a couple of hundred yards from it now, probably 1,200 yards. Which means those 70-mile-an-hour winds you're expecting today will hit you full force. Yes. 
Exactly. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, <geez. laughs> so what is your weather forecast for today there on the coast of Rhode Island? Well, we're supposed to get quite um, a lot less snow than, our, than places further west and, and north. We're probably going to get about 8 inches, maybe 8 to 10 inches. Um, it usually rains here because we're so close to the water, but we're going to get 8 to 10 Gusts up to 70 miles an hour, lots of chunky ice. Yeah, and wind, you know, that's, that's New England. Now, the ocean is not expected to come to your back door, is it, for a visit? No. Okay. We're, we're actually in an interesting spot. We live right near a, a salt pond. So we're very close to the salt pond, and then there's a, a little barrier beach, and that's the actual Atlantic Ocean. Um, but we're still high enough up where we, we won't get any flooding. Well, that's good. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and where are the horses? Are they at home at this point, or are they still at a border or boarding? Well, we they're boarding. They're, okay. they're boarding. Well, actually, the old guy, Dog Dog, he went back to live with his owner, and um, he's in a backyard situation, very happy, munching on his mash. And Birdie's up at uh, Nora's place. He's been in full board since we moved here in September. I noticed you were starting to, you know, clear rocks and get things ready to uh, to put the fencing up and stuff at the new place. Yep, we in fact we just had construction just started yesterday on converting the garage to a two stall barn, ah. and you know we have we've had excavation equipment here all winter long. We haven't been able to do anything because it's been so precipitous, and you know if it hasn't been snowing, then it's been raining. So our you can't even get a tractor you know, through the field in order to finish the excavation. So we've been out there hand-picking rocks. (laughs) Is this the toughest winter you can remember in a while? This is the most troublesome winter. I mean, 2015 was really bad because that was the winter of the never-ending snow Mm -hmm. when it was like three-foot blizzards after three-foot blizzards and then negative 19 degrees for a week in a row. Um, This has been, though, we've lost the most power. This, this is all over the state, not just us, not just the Harrises, but all of Rhode Island has lost power a lot this winter. So, that, so in that sense, it's the worst. So you'll probably be without power the whole rest of the day at this point? Uh, yeah. I mean, last week we were out for three days. Oh. And Do you have any backup? Yep, and then, yeah. Do you have a fire, a we have, fireplace, a stove, something? <laughs> We have a fireplace, and we do have a propane-fueled stove, so that's good. Um, we also have a generator, but it's not hooked up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you ought to fix that for next winter. Oh, How about we? <laughs> well, you know what? Is? The generator, it, it's not going to do anything. I mean, maybe you can plug your refrigerator into it or, you know, an appliance, but it's not going to give us hot water, and it's not going to give us heat. Um so what we found is if we if we get the fireplace going, we can stay nice and warm. Food in the fridge goes outside because it's winter time, right? So that's <laughs> no big deal. We have bottled water, and then what we do is when we know a storm's coming, now we fill um, all. I have all my horse buckets downstairs in the basement, so I just fill those up with water, and then we can use those in the toilet tanks so that we can flush the toilet. Ah, gotcha. Well, well, we uh, have we're, a plan. We're, you know, we're roughing it. <laughs> we're thinking about you. We really are, uh, and uh, we're also glad we don't live there anymore. So there's that. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. <laughs> 
All right, well, you know, come back to me in May when it's the most beautiful place in all of the planet and everybody down south wants to get out because it's 110 degrees. And we'll talk again. Hey, in our defense, it was 32 last night, so we suffered a little with you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you suffered while you were riding your horses and driving your ponies. <laughs> Tough life, Glenn Hebert. Well, we're thinking about you. You get a day off school today, Helena? You don't have to go to school today? I don't have to go to school today. Grace doesn't have to go to school, and Buck does not have to go to school. So oh, well, this is like... nice and cozy. Yeah, this is one of those days where you're going to need to uh, cuddle up because you're going to be cold because the power's out. So there's that. The only, thing that's, the only thing I wish was different besides power is I do wish I had two horses tucked into the barn all nice and cozy. Well, that'll be next, next winter when the power's out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Such an optimist. Yeah. <laughs> Helena misses me. She really does. <laughs> I do. I really do. Well, Helena, thank you so much for calling in and giving us the update. And uh, stay warm today. Keep your head down. Yes, sir. Have a great day, everybody. All right. Good to talk to you again. Bye. <laughs> you too. Bye. I do miss that girl. I miss doing shows with her for sure. You know, we did shows. We did uh, ten years worth of shows every week. Wow! So uh, I do miss to hanging out with her. I'm glad she called this morning to give us that update. And our thoughts are with everybody who lives in yes, the Northeast. I again. hope they're all going to be okay. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. Well, um, let's go to. You know, you had on your here your notes. You were going to talk about what's coming up on uh, your ride. You're going to. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that looks too bad now. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> no, except that we are going to be riding 50 miles, Glenn. Oh so. yeah, with what uh, 30 Which, degrees and snow showers. Well, let's see. Saturday, yes, a chance of snow showers, mostly cloudy, with a high near 40, oh, wow. and then. Friday night will be down to 18 degrees. So we actually ah! love riding in the snow. So you know what I, I thought, hear all of that. You know what I hear about that. I because I know you guys have to camp out. I uh-huh. hear that you're going to be in 18 degrees camping out. That's what I hear. Exactly. And unlike Helena, we actually have a generator that works. <laughs> well, good. Glad to hear that. <laughs> Although I do have um, a, a solar panel on the roof, which of course doesn't work when it's been snowing or raining for very many days, but uh, we'll leave home fully charged, so we will be able to run the propane heater and make our make sure we stay warm. You know, the thing I've learned is that once you get cold, it's hard to warm back up. But if you stay warm initially, then it really isn't so bad. And once you get moving, it's great. And you know, you always remember these kinds of rides where there's a little bit more adversity or something that's a little different than just the average ride where everything is, you know, perfect. So so we're actually really looking forward to this ride um, in, in spite of whatever the weather might throw at us. And we will be prepared. And I have my endurance tip today is going to be um, talking about ways to stay warm. Well, perfect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so if you and, hear and you're talking about later, ways to stay warm on a endurance exactly. ride, right? Okay. And if you hear me complaining about being cold, then you can just say, well, that's your own fault, Karen, because yep. you knew better. That's right. You knew how to stay warm. And so the base, basic first thing to start with as a rider to stay warm is to um, dress in layers, multiple layers, um, 
that's the best way to go. Uh, ski wear, ski gear works great, especially, especially stuff like the cross-country ski gear is often not quite as bulky as the regular downhill ski gear. Um, so there's there's lots of stuff there you can get with the high-tech fabrics, you know, layer a long-sleeve shirt, and then maybe a vest, you know, with a jacket or an outer shell, Um you want to be able to put on, you know, and of course it's going to depend if it's windy, then you're going to want to put on stuff on your outer layer that's windproof or waterproof if it is happening to rain. Um, jackets with hoods are really nice, especially if you can put the hood up over your head and then put your helmet over it, then that will help keep your um, head warm and dry and insulated. Uh, we love polar fleece stuff, my junior and I. And so we wrap ourselves up with polar fleece headbands and hats and face masks and the, the kind that come and wrap around your neck. Those are always really, really helpful because you can peel that stuff off if you start to get warm. Um, I have uh, cases of hand and toe warmers in the trailer and those things are wonderful. Because, <laughs> yes, you could put those on. There's been times where like if my heater didn't want to work right, I would just peel off a couple of those warmers and stick them, you know, in two or three spots under my pajamas and stay warm that way. So those are really useful to have. Um, we've also found when we come in from writing and we're having a vet check hold or lunch or when we're finished to have something warm, um, whether it's um, you know, just something hot to drink, hot chocolate, coffee, tea, but also like the hot cup of soups and stuff um, can really help warm you back up. And now onto the horses, uh, rump rugs for the horses are very handy in those kinds of conditions where it gets down to freezing and or windy. Extra blankets are always a good idea. Um, I've been on rides where it's been raining and snowing. And what I do there is I'll put two rump rugs on my saddle. So when I come into a vet check, I can uh, let down one of the rump rugs over the back of the horse's hindquarters. And then I take the other rump rug and I flip it over my saddle so that when I dismount, the saddle stays warm and dry. And that seems to um, work pretty good. I also, if one of the horses is going to be being ridden in a bit. We take and sleep with it at night. That. Let me translate that for the other English riders. That would be a quarter sheet and just okay. Yes, <laughs> yes. Just, we call it rump rugs or butt covers. <laughs> yes, yes. And also any saddle pads that might have inserts. The inserts often will get really stiff and mm -hmm. hard if they're frozen and cold. Yeah, they do. So. We yeah, so we bring those things inside and we'll put them like right in front of the heater while we're tacking up and then um, come and get them when they're nice and, you know, warmed up to put on the horse. And then that way the horse stays more comfortable. Um, during the ride, if we get off periodically and walk or jog, that helps to, you know, improve our circulation, keep things moving and warm us up. Um when we come in, we like to try to get out of the wind and try to put the horse on whatever side of the trailer that's getting blocked the best so that um, the horse doesn't cool down too fast and get chilled. Mm -hmm. Same for the rider. You come in and you're warm because you've been out there trotting or even walking on foot. And then as soon as you stop moving, you can get cold really fast. So you need to be 
careful of that and make sure, you know, you add a jacket and, and or get out of the weather the best you can. Um, and then finally, keeping your feet warm. Um, make sure you have warm socks, insulated boots, and be able to have a change on hand in case they do get wet. Um, one of the things that, that I learned years ago that worked really well for me is I got a gallon-sized baggie put my sock on, put the baggie over the sock and then duct taped it around the ankle. And then I put my boots on and my rain gear over the top of that. And then it didn't matter how much it rained or how cold it got. Um, My feet stayed nice and warm and and toasty inside and very comfortable. Now, do you, um, do you bring extra socks on? Do you bring, what extra would you bring on the saddle with you in the winter? Anything? (laughs) Probably not socks because if you're out there in the rain, it wouldn't yeah, it be doesn't matter anyway. convenient yeah. to be trying to change. Yeah. Yes. But in the trailer, we always have, you know, an extra change of clothes because you just never know when something might get ripped or, or yeah, get wet. Um, yeah. The worst is when you're at a ride for a couple of days and you end up with like all of your blankets are soaking wet and you're trying to hang them up inside the stalls on the dividers. And, um, and then next thing you know, it just, <clears throat> not only is everything wet and drying out, but it starts to smell too. <laughs> so, um, And those are the rides when your horse husband is along, when he is grumpier than the blankets are dirty and it's just a miserable experience. Exactly. But we're still having fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're still ourselves that. <laughs> you know, it's always looks more fun when it's over and you're back in your warm house. It always look when yeah. you look back at it, it was more fun than when you were doing it. Exactly. Uh, and you have a nice photo from the ride photographer of you trotting along in the snow with the nice mountains in the background and you know, everything looks you know what is and lovely and <laughs> And uh, nobody's freezing, and nobody's lost toes. You never show that in the, in the ride <laughs> photos, do you? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go to one of our terrific sponsors this month. And what what is Kristen talking about? Morning, Kristen. Good morning, Karen and Glenn. Hey. How are you? I heard you were down my way. Yeah, we were just in Florida. I was thinking when when Karen said she was going to talk about warm weather tips, I thought, well, yeah, uh, that that's a good thing. We were just where it was very warm, so um, it was nice to get a, out of the weather for a little while. Yeah, you uh, of course, Kristen is with Distance Depot, and she was. What ride were you down here for? Um, we were at the Fun in the Sun Endurance Races. And where was that in Florida? Um, in Williston, yeah. Florida. Which is not too far Florida. from Ocala, right near us, actually. No, yeah, yeah. pretty close. Yeah. Well, and how'd that go? Did they ride at the Black Prong, at the forest there? Yes, they used the whole forest. Um, it's, they had a 100-mile ride as well as a 25, a 50, and a 75. So there were lots of races going on. It was well attended, and we got to see lots of old friends. So that's always really fun. And my folks are there, too, so we get to fit in a little visit as well. And that is a very, so, for the riders, the that forest is very Florida. It's a very Florida forest. So you oh. feel like you're in Florida with the Spanish moss yes. and the live oak trees and the whole thing. It is yeah. very pretty. Yeah, it's kind of neat. And it's flat, so <laughs> there's that. I mean, you don't have hills. That's- 
Yeah. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And and the sand, I think, this year wasn't too bad. Sometimes the sand gets really deep in the forest, but mm. um, I think the footing was pretty good. It, it, the riders were talking about it being a pretty good trail. So. Yeah, we have to worry when we go out to do trail rides around here. If I go along with the carriage, you always have to check it out first because the sand does get deep on some of these trails. Yeah, and, I know uh, it. It's, it's a little hard for a hackney pony to pull my fat butt around in the sand. So I need big sand wheels. I've been looking at getting the sand tires, the you know the blow up ones oh, right. for the cart, okay. uh, so that I could go go on play, in places like that. But I haven't invested in that yet. Well, yeah, that is a nice nice thing about riding down there. You have the carriages out there too. It's always fun. Although some of the horses. Um, don't think it's as fun as some of the other. <laughs> First time to see a carriage come around right. the corner, but it, yeah. we actually that is true. We have to be careful when other trail riders. When we're coming up on other trail riders, we have we mm-hmm. call out and ask him. You know, is the carriage going to be a problem? Right. If it is, they usually right. turn around or we pull off or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah. a lot of and you know it's funny horses when they go out with the carriage for the first time it takes them you know, 10 minutes to get used to it. But then they find it as a comfort place and they always tuck oh, in right behind me with like their heads on in my ear. Um, I, I feel nostrils in my ear and they tuck in right behind <laughs> the carriage because I think they think it's a safe thing, you know? Uh, right. And, and then I got all these horses right behind me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kristen, let's, gonna... yes, oh, I thought... Sorry. We've been talking about all the weather that we're having across the country, so we thought maybe let's talk about how to keep warm. And um, you have, I know you have winter tights and uh, clothing for the riders to keep warm and rump rugs and blankets for horses. Uh, So let's start, how about we start with some of your winter uh, tights? Okay. We have um, quite a few different varieties of winter tights for the riders these days, which is really nice. Um, we have heavy ones, of course, um, that are mud, wind, and rain resistant, um, as well as lighter ones that are just nice when the weather isn't extremely cold, but still pretty chilly. And you know, when you're <laughs> in a tight, um, a regular riding tight, you're you can get quite cold. So nice to have a little polar fleece just to to keep you warm. And most of these winter tights have a some sort of polar fleece lining. Um, and also pockets. So the mm-hmm. pocket is desired, it seems, these days for everybody to keep their phone on their person. So that's a nice thing, too. And, of course, we have jackets. Um, and we have some closeout jackets going on now, too. And rain jackets, which, when the weather is not friendly, <laughs> um, always good to have a good rain jacket in your trailer. So carrots, we have a couple of carrots waterproof jackets that are really nice to have um, in case you need them. (laughs) And um, we also have hats, ear warmers, and some warm gloves, um, all by Carrots, and the gloves are by SSG, which is a a brand um, we've all used for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. They hold up really well. And there's different varieties, of course, different weights in the gloves. So the 10 Below glove, um, I'm not sure it really works to 10 below, but it works really well when the weather is cold. And the nice thing about them is they're waterproof as well, so you can put your hand, if you have to, into a slushy hay bin and scoop it out, or if there's hay in your water trough, you can reach right in and grab it out. So that's pretty neat. Then, of course, we have lighter weight gloves, too. So, um, And what about for the, for the horses? Well, we have... Um, 
lots of uh, different varieties of winter blankets, of course, for the barn. And when you're at a ride, because like you were saying, you just never know. Sometimes, you know, the, the weather might be good, and then when you arrive... Um, everything is fine, and suddenly it turns cold <laughs> and blustery. We've had that happen to us many times at a ride. So nice to have lightweight blankets, polar fleece coolers, um, which we have several varieties. We can also do embroidery on some of these items. So if you're at a big um, lunch stop or if you're at the hold, you want to make sure your blanket stays your blanket. You can put your initials on it or your horse's name or something, too. We can do that right in-house as well. And, of course, we have rump rugs, which are great for keeping the hind end muscles warm, um, especially in the early morning hours and, again, you know, later in the afternoon or evening when it starts to cool off. So good way to keep keep those big hind end muscles warm while you're riding. So um, I think that about covers it. Some the I will say the rump rugs, we have polar fleece, which are nice and warm and wicking, and we also have a couple that are um, waterproof. So good for those days when it's pouring rain. Um, the Easy Care rump rug is pretty nice because it has little toggles where you can scrunch it up while you're on their back. Oh, you're right. Reach back yes. Scrunch mm-hmm. it up, and that way it's not, you know, if it warms up during the ride before you get back to the hold and you want to pull it up while you're at a, you know, brook or something, you can just stop and quickly draw it up so it... Um, yes, I just the... taught my junior how to do that on the last oh, ride, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty handy. It yeah. is very handy because you don't have to stop, like with the other kind where you would have to roll them up and then attach them. This, unless you're really talented to be able to do that at a, at a yeah. trot. But most of us aren't, at least not anymore. Exactly. Great, great. Okay, so if somebody was interested in ordering, how would they get in touch with you? Well, they can call us toll-free, 866-863-2349, or visit our website, thedistancedepot.com. Terrific. Thanks, Kristen. I just want to thank you, too. I mean, we talked about Karen has been doing the show for, we think it's five years now. Um, and you guys have been with us for the entire time, and we really appreciate uh, your support of the Endurance episode, and it is one of the top five episodes still every month, and we know well, we've heard from many we've... people who have tried Endurance only because they listened to Karen's episode. So, Yeah, uh, we hear it too, so we're, we're really proud to be a sponsor. Thank we you. Yeah. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, thank All you right. so much. Thank you, Kristen. Distance Depot, check it out today. Bye-bye. Bye, Kristen. Next month, maybe we can talk about how to stay cool <laughs> instead of how to stay warm. All right. Well, we, you, you want to introduce our guest? Um, uh, yes. Our next guest, let me get back over to my show notes here. We have Keith Kibler, who has been writing endurance since 2006. He's got over... 2,000 miles, including several one-day 100-mile completions on his gated horse. And so he's going to stop by and tell us all about them. today? I am doing fine, and it is my pleasure to join you. Well, thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved in endurance riding and in your gated horse horses? Well, I married Ellie Mae Clampett, so to speak. And she's had all kinds of animals and birds and breeding of birds and exotic birds. And, and then she got into horses and I was a long distance 
um, triathlete and runner. She would traipse around the country to Ironman kind of things and long-distance running events and scrape me up off the finish line or from the <laughs> hospital tent. And I decided that after you can, as a, as a quickly maturing adult, you can only do so much of that before you go, you know, I've been there, done that. And so my wife was into funny moving gated horses and I had a quarter horse. Cause that's what you did. If you had a horse, you had you needed a cowboy hat and a stocky quarter horse. And so I saw the movie Hidalgo and said, I'm going to take a year off from Ironman uh, triathlons and I'm going to uh, spend some time with my wife for a year, but I can't stand not competing. And, you know, the, the whole story of Hidalgo is completely a lie. Uh, the guy was a world-class fabricator. In fact, go to the Internet and you can Google that and see all the different mm-hmm. ways that, that story wasn't true. But it got me interested in first in how I would compete because I couldn't stand not competing because that's how I'm wired. And I first took a look at ride and tie because being a runner, I thought that'd be neat. And I coached, um, I coached her and another woman in a ride and tie. And then I thought, no, I just want to see what I can do about competing horses. So I literally got into gated horses for the purpose of competing. And that was, I guess, a total of about 15 years ago. And I think this is our 13th year of uh, AERC endurance. Wow. Our horses and have had uh, 96 different events. What breeds are they? Um, we primarily raise Tennessee walking horses and Missouri Fox Trotters, um, but I have had one standard bred walking, um, walking horse cross. Uh-huh. Um, I, I love, in particular, I'm in love with a Tennessee walking horse. And I love the bloodlines. I love studying the bloodlines. I'm a little bit of a kook about those bloodlines. And um, I travel into the south and looking for young horses. And then we keep 9 to 11 horses uh, in training um, pretty much all the time. And then what we do is um, after we start competing them when they're about um, – I have I have competed at five years old, but now it's more like six or seven mm-hmm. uh, years old. And then what we do is um, I have some that, you know, I have hers that she's not going to uh, sell to someone else and mine that aren't going to be sold. But then the rest of them, I train, put them through 50s, um, sometimes with people that I'm mentoring. And then after usually around 350s, um, when someone calls me from around the country looking for a gated horse, that's not a prospect that's actually, you know, a confirmed 50 mile horse, then to the right person, we, we will sell those. And we've actually moved horses around various parts of the country as far away. We live in Southern Illinois in the, by the Shawnee national forest. And we sold horses to the East coast and California. So. Well, what are the things that you like the most about the gated horses as far as like in relation to riding them in endurance? Well, first of all, um, I like a challenge. I'm, you know, I wasn't a naturally gifted triathlete um, in, in most ways. And so I like the challenge of that. And I have to be, I have to be honest. When I started this and, and took my first 
speed racking Missouri Foxtrotter um, to my first 50, I was not received well and um, was told to my face that I had the wrong kind of horse and the sport wasn't for me and I should go home. Aww. That's that I know that's not how I'm wired. And mm-hmm. boy, the, well, that's good. Uh, that really sort of set set my set my jaw into the wind, so to speak. And we did very well, uh, my horse and I. I. I didn't know about how to compete at this, but I knew how to um, I knew how to train a human, and I knew about heart rate for humans and and GPS work and speed work and tempo work and hill repeats and long, slow distance, because that's what I've done for myself and for others for a lot of years and a lot of miles. And so I, my gated friends thought I was nuts, that a gated horse couldn't do LDs, let alone 50s, let alone 100s. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have, I, I had one person encouraging me. Um, and I, I was getting emails from this one person. I didn't know who she was. I later found out who, who, who she was. And unfortunately that very first email from her, I threw away. So, uh-huh. oh, you know, do you know who it was? I have a guess. It Is it a sure. veterinarian? No, it was Julie. Sure. Julie. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's terrific. She started, she started on a gated horse. That's right. And Paso so I, started, Fino, I, I believe, started, was it with her? Uh, no, it was I, I get a, a mixed. I get it mixed up, it but the, um, it was the well, other that's, one. That's terrific. Was, and so she sent me an email. I wrote up a story and posted it about the reception that I got at my very first fifty. And my horse, by the way, did fabulous. Did absolutely fabulous. Good. I, I didn't know if if he or I either one could do a fifty, but you know, I I put four hundred and fifty miles in the previous five months on this horse, and he was hard as nails. So I showed up with, um, I showed up with work boots on and Walmart khakis and a bike racing jersey because they got pockets <laughs> on the back. Put your bananas, you know. And uh-huh. they didn't. They they were not in favor of my being there. And so, fortunately, a woman from another state took pity on me, and she said, "Did you bring your crew?" And I thought. Crew, find out what crew is and bring that next time. You know? <laughs> and she, she said, "I'm going to teach you about this, and I'm going to be your crew." And I said, "Ma'am, as far as I'm concerned, God sent you. You tell me to jump and which way, and that's what I'll do." And she taught me about crewing and about the, the you know the vet stops, the vet holds. And boy, my horse did pretty good. She, we, uh, this was an Umreka, um, co-sponsored with AERC. And they have you you compete there by weight divisions of the rider, mm-hmm. and uh, my Missouri Foxtrotter won the heavyweight division in that first race, and I'm pretty sure it was heavy. Whatever our weight division was, won that and finished third overall behind a uh, top FEI rider was second. That's how good he did, and so. I thought, well, this is pretty much fun. I'm going to train for a year. And I, ne- I never went back to Ironman. Um, my next year, I-, I trained three horses and took three horses back. And they all went top 10 in uh, two different days. And the next year, I trained five horses, took two trailers, mentored and sponsored a grandma and a high school girl. 
and all five horses went top 10 and we went the grandma and the high school girl um we went one two and three in one of the events great and i thought now now we're talking and well so when the you next were, evolution was i just wanted to ask about what the gates are yeah. that you're doing like what kind of speed Absolutely. are they going at That's, and and describe the well, gates it depends one of the things that I think that we do that is different than most people that compete, and somewhere around 8% now, I'm on the membership committee, and I, I haven't seen a, an updated uh, categorization of horses. The last time I got the data as being on the membership committee, it was somewhere around 6 to 8% of, of the ARC now was gated. I'll give you the absolute fact that the gold standard in endurance are the fine Arabian horses. And so I like the challenge of taking something that wasn't wasn't known for what it was what I wanted to do, but I thought was capable of it, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to apply really detailed, thought out, and consistent training. And what I'm looking for in gait depends upon the horse, and that's why every single time one of our horses is set on, there's a GPS on the rider's wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, often, oftentimes there, and, and during training for anything other than my very top horses, there's also a heart rate monitor most of the time or a lot of the time. And so I do gait analysis to figure out what speeds for each horse, um, is most efficient at what gate. Mm-hmm. And those gates are, or a flat foot walk, um, then, which we don't use very often to be blunt, um, a running walk, which is three feet on the ground and one foot up, and then a rack, which is one foot on the ground and three feet up. And usually in most of these horses, they're, um, that'll switch over from a running walk to a rack somewhere between seven to nine mile an hour. Um, then we develop a canner, and for my top horses, um, I'll, I teach them to run. I don't use this very often, um, and I really don't use it around other horses in competition, but my top mare that has done extremely well, her name is Kate. Uh, she's a walking horse mare. She has a 30-mile-an-hour gallop on the top end. Wow. Now, she's, to my knowledge, she's the only gated horse of any breed. She's actually one two uh, hundreds on technical courses, uh-huh. and in both of those, I never, I never even cantered her one step or let alone run her. It, these horses do really well on technical courses, and I, I did that. I did. I won both of those on her and got BC in one of, in one of those hundreds, never getting out of the running walk. Wow, and that is That's... extremely, st- extremely stable. You got three feet on the ground all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, how often do you and have so, to kind of work at keeping them rated? Do they try to keep speeding up like my Arab does? No, because oh, oh that must be nice. I <laughs> I'm jealous. I, I, don't them, I, I don't take them until they're trained. Um, I have the luxury of having so many horses to choose from that when we go to an AERC event, that horse is ready to go. And because of that, now. I'm a mentor with the ARC. I've been on the membership committee for a very long time. I am totally about to finish this to win. That's why I'm particularly excited about the fact that 
out of 96 events, our completion rate, even with hundreds in the mix, is just like a half a percent lower than 90%. And that is higher, I'm proud to say, than the Arabian completion rate for even LDs. And when you, if you look at that data, you know that a lot of those, a lot of people ride their own ride, which is what we're all supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. You ride your own ride, and some of them are trying to complete a minute before the cutoff, and some of them are racing. We make no apologies for the fact that we are trying to do the best we can every single time we put a horse on a course. And um, while I totally believe in, in the finish is to win, we want to finish is to win, plus I'm looking to, to do as well as I can every time I take a horse to an event. Okay, do you have any advice for a, an endurance rider that would like to get into, say they're already riding and now they want to change over to a gated breed? Do you have any advice for them on what to look yes, for? Yes, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. First thing is, you got to get instruction. You have to get instruction. And I sometimes tell people no, and I, it's, I don't want to sound like the soup Nazi on um, that television comedy that we all know. No soup for you. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I ask people when they contact, we don't really advertise very much. Um, and people will contact me and I'll ask them what their gated experience is. And if they don't have any, then I'll ask them how they would ride with someone that rode gated horses and understood gate. Or, or if they can't possibly do that, then I kind of dissuade them. Um, even from, if not from me getting a gated horse period, that's finished because the average trotting horse rider, no matter how experienced they are as a trotting horse rider, unless they have some knowledge and experience, if they take the best gated gated horse, that the, 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 the a gated horse that is rock solid and has gate set and you can switch gears on because these are like riding manual transmission sports cars. You can't be a passenger. Your your seat, your balance point, what you do with your hands your sit bones, all of those things make a difference. And if someone leans forward and treats one of these horses as if it's a trotting horse, they can mess up a gate in a matter of weeks. Oh, wow. Um, and so, but I learned it. It's not magic. I, I, I came to this and, and I, you know, I got instruction from people and I, I made friends in the local gated world, which is kind of rough and tumble here. And I submitted myself to them, and they taught me. And if I can learn it, anybody else can. But you have to learn it. It's not something that's intuitive. Uh, it, it sure is fun. Imagine running, I don't know, I, my top mare, Kate, the fastest on a flat course. We're not going to be running at the top um, in the top few riders in a flat, fast course in the southeast. Technical. A, a technical ride, yeah, we will. Um, but in a flat, fast course where you've got horses, Arabians doing an extended trot at you know twelve to fifteen miles an hour for the top three or four horses, we're we'll just we're looking to do well and finish mid pack. And she, um, on one of those courses, I had her gait was not right, and she was wanting to either hard pace or stepping pace, and we averaged through 90 miles, 11 miles an hour. And wow. that was really fast for her. That's and the last really miles, excellent. I'm sorry. That's excellent. Well, it was, yes. Yeah, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't, 
I did not want to continue <laughs> at that speed for the last <laughs> 10 miles. And I walked that horse in the last 10 miles to save my backside because, um, and what had happened with her was the, the hoof angles with a gated horse are not for all of them, but for some of them are important. And I'm, if I remember right, um, the farrier didn't have her hoof angles exactly right. And with that <laughs> horse, that's critical. Yeah, that sure can be. So um, what rides are your favorite and what are your plans for this coming season? Well, um, my very favorite ride is a, a small ride here in Southern Illinois known as Dead Dog that the Moore family puts on. And they are really the heart and spirit of what I believe endurance is um, kind of a shoestring budget. Everybody brings food. They they have um, cast iron pans around making cobblers. Um, a lot of times the awards are homemade, muddy technical trail, and my horses do real well on that. Now, both the, well, my, my horses do real well on it. My wife particularly likes traveling to the southeast. Um, I think probably her favorite ride in the southeast is Raptor Run. I don't know if you know Joni and Jody Buttram or not. Uh-huh. And in the southeast, and they are they are friends of mine, and I've I've actually helped uh, Mama there with some gated things, and she uh, we went down to Kentucky together. And I met her; she came up from Alabama, and we we picked out a gated horse for her, and she wanted to see if she could transition from uh, having a lot of Arabians and doing a t- tremendous number of hundreds to a gated horse and apply some training principles and. She did great at that, and the horse's name is Harley, and that horse now, that was the, I think, the Southeast um, Horse of the Year or the young, Beginner of the Year, Newcomer of the Year or something, oh, good. and that horse lives in California now. Yeah. So if she could do this, and I've done it, anybody can do it. They just need to find people to help them, and as a mentor with ARC, um, I get a lot of forwards from the home office of uh, AERC and to send me gated people to help. And I'll tell them what we've found that works, what doesn't work. I'll help them people with training programs and plans. Um, you don't have to do what we do to have fun on a gated horse, but I really think if you want to do something more than go mid pack and complete that you need to train very, very, very carefully. Um, one of the things i got to tell you that a lot of gated riders do that I disagree with, um, there is a, a thought with gated endurance riders that you pick the speed and you let the horse pick the movement, whether that be right. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. that uh-huh. told you or something in between that <laughs> don't really have names. We euphemistically <laughs> refer to them as cantaloupes or rattelopes. Trotalopes. Uh-huh. with something. <laughs> And um, I, that's not me. I want to understand my horse and understand what's best for my horse. And when you're, we're a team, but I'm the leader. Mm-hmm. So that makes good sense. That, that's part of why, that's one of the benefits of all this time with heart rate and GPS. Uh, I, I record every single mile of every single horse we train in a big calendar. And also with uh, Garmin programming. Well, and that's, so I know, I'm sorry. 
That's definitely a terrific way to do it. And we're just about out of time, but I want to thank you for your excellent advice and congratulate you on your success with your horses. And I look forward to someday meeting you on the trail. All right. We will ride together. And if you don't have a gated horse, I'll bring you one. Tell me what. Okay. (laughs) That's, it's a deal. (laughs) Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Keith. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was Keith Kibler, who, as you heard, is an endurance rider of gated horses, which is that anything you'd try? Would you like to try that sometime just for the hell of it? I would try it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, why sure. not, right? It's like, uh-huh. <laughs> why not? <laughs> well, I know one of the th- things that you're looking, f- well, I know that d- while we were listening to that pre recorded interview, you were looking at the weather for your ride this weekend <laughs> and it's not getting any better. I'm going to stop looking. Yeah, it's you not need to going do, you're my just way. depressing yourself. And by the way, you know, canceling is an option if you can't get over the mountains to get there. Exactly. Uh, yes, problem. that's the only reason we wouldn't go is if the roads aren't safe. Um, we're on. this side of the Sierra so we don't have to go over a big pass in order to get there and I know many of the riders have already been canceling that do have to come over the pass because it's not looking very good for them and um, yeah nobody wants to be hauling horses um, when there's chain requirements and stuff when I was down at the last ride at 20 Mule Team we had a wreck up here on the highway that involved like 35 vehicles and big rigs and stuff it just looked like this huge parking lot you know Um, hauling horses in snow isn't much fun anyway but then you have no. these really, really big mountains. So, we do. Yeah. <laughs> so we will do whatever is safe, but we are not going to um, cancel just because it would mean riding and um, so adverse. Riding is still not the problem for me. It's that sleeping at 15 degrees in your camper. It's, <laughs> that's, that's causing me the trouble. All I right. <laughs> well, it's one of the things you do when you ride. And do you use your, uh, do you use your renegade hoof foots even in the snow? Yes, we do. They give really good traction. Uh, they're um, actually we use them in pretty much every kind of condition. Uh, they're easy to use, I, and I've talked about this before. I can my juniors all have no trouble putting the boots on. They should be easy to put on. If you have to struggle and you're having a hard time getting the boot on the foot or getting the captivator up, then they either need an adjustment or a different size. And so if that happens to you and you're having any kind of issues with getting the boots on or keeping them on or keeping them from turning, then uh, please get in touch with the company at renegadehoofboots.com and they're more than happy to try to help you. Or, you know, you can even send me a message on, um, you know, through Facebook or whatever, and I will try to help you the best I can. Or at a ride, I'm always available to help people. And, um, you know, I have many people that come over and just ask me to take a look at their boots and see what I think is, you know, do they look like they're fitting right and the adjustment correct? Um, Because really a lot of it is just in a little bit of making an adjustment or two. Um, Like in my case with Chief, he, uh, um, a lot of times during the winter, he would often um, twist one of his front boots. Well, what it was is I just needed to go up a size And that fixed the problem. He hasn't twisted a boot in like the last couple of years once I made that change. And now everything is working I thought it would have been the other way. You would go down a size to stop twisting. Yeah. Some other brands, the boots need to be tighter and more snug. But with the Renegades, they don't. Uh. 
They don't need to be tight. That's why you don't need any tools to put them on or to take them off. Uh, they should be fairly simple and easy to use. And um, and they are. Uh, and they're available in many different colors. They're made in the United States. They've got a couple of different models as well as a glue-on version for those that are, are doing a special event or a longer trip and they just want to glue the boots on and leave them for a few days Um and then not have to to worry about putting boots on or off. Um, the benefit I have is I have a junior, and um, so if it really is 15 degrees on Saturday, <laughs> I will find <laughs> something for her to do, like put now the they, boots on. They for make me. the ones with studs, right? So can, can, can do you ever use them? I haven't because. Okay. Typically, if I ride in the snow, I try to stay just in the snow and stay off of the ice. ice. And the okay. horses tend to have pretty good traction in just the snow. And if it's that icy, I consider it not, you know, not really safe to ride a horse. You know, if you hit ice, it doesn't really matter what's going to be oh, on your true. horse's feet. You're probably still going to. Like it's it really doesn't gonna... matter what's on your car either. So, yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. So we we just try to avoid that, um, but we do love to ride in the snow, um, so we're kind of actually looking forward to riding this weekend in the snow, and we will have our renegades on, and um, they're available in several different colors to match tack for those that are into that sort of thing, and again, it's the website is renegadehoofboots.com. Very good. Well, we have an award winner coming up next, don't we? We do. We have Stephanie uh, Palmer Duras, and uh, she's been riding her horse, Haji. I believe this season is now his 18th season. And let me explain what the Partners Award is first and from the AARC website. A rider and horse perform together as a mutually bonded team. Rider and horse engender a spirit of friendship, enthusiasm, and championship that makes those around them glad to have attended the ride. However competitive they may be, good sportsmanship remains their first priority. Horse and rider take care of each other. Together, horse and rider personify the prevailing and abiding goal of AERC to finish is to win. So do we have Stephanie on the line? We do, yes. We, oh, good. Good morning, yeah, Stephanie. Here. Thank you for joining good us. Morning. Congratulations to you and Harvey. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty um, pretty special thing to win that award. It's pretty exciting. It is. Give us a little history on on him. How did you come to get Haji? Um, I got him in two thousand and one for from um, a ranch in Beaver, Utah, where the guy um, bought him from the breeder. And before that, he was, before he was on that ranch, he was a um, pack horse type thing, not a pack horse, but like a string horse where they would take people out to go hunting and they would just put people on him to ride to go out and hunt cougars up in the mountains in Utah. And so when the vet did his pre-purchase exam on him for me, he said he's not much to look at, but if he survived being a string horse... Uh, he'd probably do okay for you in endurance. <laughs> and he wasn't afraid of wild animals. That helped. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, Jeez. although he would, he would bolt. Like I, there was a couple of times when I'm out riding and he would just totally take off and, and, and I knew it's because there was something we didn't want to run into. 
<laughs> See, he was just in his in his weird way. He was protecting you and uh, him too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. and trying to sometimes leave me behind. Yeah, but... exactly. <laughs> okay, he was protecting himself. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, how old was he when you got him? Uh, he was eight, turning nine. Okay. And he is twenty-five now. He has a weird birthday. It's in September. So he'll be 26 in September. Okay. Wow. Still trucking on down the trail. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. He is. We did 150 miles already this season. That's terrific. So tell us a little bit about more about his personality. He is, he loves to go. He loves to go to the rides and he just gets mad if I end up not taking him a day. Um, so I've been having to deal with him being upset because I'm not writing him back-to-back days anymore this year. Uh-huh. So it's an adjustment for him because he doesn't like being left behind and he calls out all day long. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because he just wants to go. Um, his He loves to just go down the trail um, at his pace, which isn't a super fast pace, but it's a consistent pace. Mm-hmm. And he... Um, doesn't he always um if there's trees he doesn't go around the tree he doesn't he doesn't he only makes sure he can fit so (laughs) as a rider you have to make sure that you're watching for trees because he's just he's not watching you he thinks you need to take care of yourself and he's just gonna go so um he does get um herd bound a little bit so i have to really watch him or else he will try and win every race even though he physically should not try and do yeah. that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but he is at home. He's just very gentle. He's very loving. He always wants to snuggle. When you're going out to clean stalls, he just comes up right next to you and puts his head on you. He's, um, he's, he's truly a really lovable horse that way. He's just got so much personality and when we're going to vet, he just pulls me down. He, he pulls me instead of me trying to lead him. I have uh-huh. to really use, I can't use a web halter because he'll just run right through that and take off with me. <laughs> so, and he loves to just like, he's just perfect in vetting in the trot out. He's just always looking fantastic. He, he, he could probably trot himself out back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. At this point, he's done it enough times. <laughs> yeah, he has. Yes. And, so and he's he, over 10,000 miles, right? Yeah, he's at 10,580 <clears throat> miles right now. Cool. Wow. That's and a big all, accomplishment, all too. The 50s have been with me except for one ride where Dave Ray brought him for me. Uh huh. So otherwise, all of his 50s have been with me, which is kind of fun, too. It's just. I've I've never really had I've had Dave Ray write him once and that was it. Wow. So, yeah. Well, what are some of the challenges that the two of you have faced together? Um. Well, like when he he's had cancer that I had to deal with a bout of cancer that came back and um, we were concerned about that one and he was only like twelve I think then. Is that like a melanoma and, or something? Yeah, he had a, it was, um, it was, um, on his privates and they, they just cut it off. They tested it and said, oh yeah, we can just, you know, cut it off. And then actually 
when they, they figured the test results were actually wrong because it came back completely aggressive. So then they had to chemotherapy, use it with chemotherapy um, twice wow. because it kept coming back. And then it finally has not returned. And he's a gray, so you always worry about that. Every well. guy in the audience just <laughs> just curled up into a ball at that point. I'm just saying, including me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just. But uh, he, he's better now, and he voted tendon once. <clears throat> Um, but we have competed every season and done at least one 50 mile race every year for 18 years. So he, and, and that's between me, um, having children in between and him having injuries. He's always done at least one 50 mile race with me. Um, he always had a problem interfering and he still to this day interferes in the front. And it got to the point where it was so bad and still shoes. That, um, and I can't, he couldn't use neoprene. So if I tried to put a neoprene interference boot on him, he would go lame. His skin is irritated to, to the neoprene. So that's when, um, actually Dave Nicholson and, uh, pointed out how Karen Chatton, you were using hoof boots. Uh-huh. And he said, why don't you switch to hoof boots? Because when he does impact, it won't be as, as hard on his right. joints okay. because they're rubber instead of steel. So at that point, that's when we switched. We switched over to hoof boots, and he's been using hoof boots ever since, oh, the good. Renegade hoof boots. Terrific. Yeah. Yes, I know. I've spent many miles following him down the trail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Since 2007, he's been in um, Renegade hoof boots. Wow. And I think that that's Good. why he's been able to continue to go down the trail as much as he has, um, because he still does interfere, but we've found a way to manage it. And then now, thankfully, they make um, fleece-lined interference boots, too, <laughs> which <laughs> helps. Good. What rides have been your favorite that you've done with him? Um, you know, I have a couple favorites. I really like um, Virgin and the Outlaw, uh-huh. or Outlaw and the Virgin, however they call it, um, just because of the Thunder Mountain Trail is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mount Carmel seems to be one of my favorites. I always love going back there every year just with the red rock and the sand. And it seems to me that we always have a really good time there. He always tries to go down. We were waiting at Mount Carmel to go to the start and he was trying to go down the start before uh, the start happened. <laughs> he was, was going to go with or without me down that start. I know. He knew what day it was and he knows all the trail. And so what's interesting is when they change it just a little bit for maybe some downed tree or some variance with the trail just a little bit. He tries to go the way we went the, <laughs> the year before. The way we went the year before. Exactly. Totally get that. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm exactly. like, whoa, 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 wait. You know, and then there's a tree in your face or, you know, <laughs> down to tree or they find it, you know, they actually did change the trail that year and they actually moved it. And I'm like, no, oh, buddy, we got to go this way. And then there's times where I miss the trail and he goes the right way because he remembers the trail. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking that we're going to go to a different direction and he's right. <laughs> well, I have read that horses have a better sense of tracking ability even than dogs. Yeah, and, I, I would oh, believe that. that's fascinating. And and of course, we've experienced it with our horses over the years where they do know the trail or they think they know the trail um, and they're usually right. 
They usually are. It's interesting. We did Bighorn 100 when he was 23, and um, I'd never, ever ridden out in the area at all. And the marking at night was a little um, missing in spots, Uh and so I wasn't really sure that we were going the right way. But, you know, for some reason, he, he knew. And I don't know how they know that. I don't know if it's because they can smell where the other horses went in front of them or if they can feel it on the ground mm-hmm. because his eyesight is better in the dark than it is during the day right now. He's, his, he struggles with shadows okay. on the trail. Is, he, at spooky night, at, is he spooky at all or um, compared to how he was when he was younger? No, he's not. He's the oh, same good. spookiness. <laughs> the same always get him and the white rocks for some reason he does not like so he's <laughs> still the same with that um what i do find with him is it, if it's um very dippy trail or loopy loop trail or very shadow trail and if he's not paying attention because he's so focused on the other horses uh-huh. he doesn't see things because he's fighting me because he wants to mm-hmm. go faster than I'll let him go. Mm-hmm. And so he starts tossing his head up and he doesn't watch and then he'll <laughs> trip or stumble. And um, that's when, because he is a little bit older, sometimes we go down because he can't ride it fast enough. He can't uh-huh. get it back upright. So we've had a, we've had definitely our share of tumbles more so than normal the last couple of years. So I have to just really ride him, make him ride slower. So he's paying attention. Right. Right. And, and you can't, I know how it is. You can't lose your focus or else then the horse does too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I really have to watch the trail and try and hit the smoothest spots with not a lot of obstacles during the day. Mm-hmm. And, and so as he's aged a little bit, I know it, it's, I always hate to hear the reference to my own horses being called senior horses. Um, but most vets consider horses over 15 to be seniors, even though our endurance horses don't know that they're called seniors, you know. Uh, what have you done as far as management-wise to kind of help adapt as he has gotten a little older? Um, for him, I have uh, put him on some uh, glucosamine um, for his joints. Mm-hmm. And I just really, really have to watch. I really struggle with keeping weight on him. So for him, I really have to be, and I'm careful too, because he has foundered in the past. So I can't give him too much um, sugar, but he still needs calories, like good calories. Mm-hmm. So I've had to really kind of manage his feed and really make sure that um, I can get him as much as much groceries in him without overloading sugar. So it's kind of a battle Mm -hmm. and I have to really make sure that I don't, um, at this point with him, I just don't over condition him. If anything, he does has less conditioning than he would normally have had because I feel he needs more rest than miles Mm -hmm. because of how many miles, how many miles he does during the year. Like last year he did over a thousand race miles. So most of our time was spent like letting him rest and only going and doing like little short rides once a week uh-huh. just to keep him. Um, sure. Rich. Yeah. With his base, he's got a really good, um, yeah, fitness level already. So 
you just have to kind of maintain it. You, you're not needing to build at this point anymore. Exactly. Yes. So what does he like to eat? Um, I usually, I just have him on grass, Bermuda grass hay in the morning and he gets alfalfa at night. And then I use a pretty basic program. He gets um, rice bran, ultium, and then um, Purina Senior Competitive, Mm -hmm. I think is what it's called, and um, alfalfa oat pellets from the Mountain Sunrise because they don't use binders. And one more question for you. Oh, okay. Go go ahead and finish. Oh, well, and that's it. He just gets that, you know, once to twice a day, depending on his um, ride schedule. Okay. And so the last question I have for you is what are your future plans and goals for you and Haji? Um, With him, as long as he's still having fun going down the trail, we're going to go down the trail. Whenever I feel like he's not having any fun anymore or if he's not feeling comfortable or if he's getting stiff or achy, then, uh, then we will have to reevaluate. But as of right now, he just continues to have that happy eye and he wants to go down the trail and he finishes strong and he finishes comfortable. So as long as he still does that, we'll just keep him going. But I just want to, I do ride him slower and more cautiously now Uh and we're just going to have to take it. He's going to set the pace on that aspect. Right. Right. And you're getting close to being a double decade team too. That's yeah, yeah, we within are. Reach. I mean, that would be that would be kind of cool, amazing. I mean, honestly, even having him having over ten thousand miles was a huge milestone for us because I never thought he would have got there. Mm-hmm. Just for the f- simple fact that you know, when I first got him, the first um, four years we only did a thousand miles. I didn't have the time to go and do rides or the money, and now I still don't really have the time or the money, but somehow I make it work. Uh-huh. And, you know, I just kind of feel like as long as he wants to go, I want to go. But I never would have imagined even having 10,000 miles with him. I, I, it's just amazing that he's yes. done that many miles. It's- Fantastic. A great accomplishment. Well, I want to congratulate you again. I was so excited that you won that award. And I hope we'll get to see each other on the trail this season. Yes, I hope so. So good luck to you guys. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks, Stephanie. Okay, bye. Thank you. Okay, bye. That's amazing, actually, when you think about it. Well, it's really cool. It's like she said, she didn't get him till he was like eight or nine. And then here he is still 25 going down the trail. He's got over 10,000 miles and he's a gray horse. Not that I'm not partial to gray horses. And he had all that problems in that area too. Let's not forget that. Well, exactly. (laughs) And I know she has been riding in in the Renegades for years and years and years. and, um, And he does great in them. Just fantastic. Well, terrific. And congratulations to her again. Sounds like it's well-deserved. Exactly. Yeah, she did a good job managing him and and keeping the horse going all this time and adapting to his knees as he, you know, aged, which is 
um, something we all need to do, not just for our horses, but for ourselves. For ourselves. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, uh, what is coming up? Where can people find out? Like, uh, Jennifer wants to do an endur- her first endurance ride coming up sometime. And I know of other of our listeners have uh, done it just because they hear you here every month. So where can people find out about it? And what do they do? Oh. Well, the website for AERC is aerc.org. And once you go there, you can uh, look up the ride calendar for your area and find all the rides that are close to you. You can also check out the rest of the website and they will have links to upcoming clinics and things like that for people that would um, like to go and take a clinic first. Um, All of the rides generally are very welcoming to people that want to come and volunteer. Actually, we need volunteers at the rides to help with all sorts of different tasks. And so uh, volunteering is a great way to learn and to meet people, you know, so that you don't feel like a total stranger when you do come to your first ride. Um, I would say for Jennifer, I would get a hold of Keith Kibler and see if he's got a gated horse. There you go, Jennifer. The heck with bringing (laughs) Nigel. Let's get you a gated horse to go out on. <laughs> there you, you know go, that, everybody. You know that, that, says they're comfy that, that to ride. About, yeah. That comment he made about messing up their gates in very short order, that would be Jennifer. <laughs> be Jennifer. The horse would be trotteloping. Uh, yes, yeah. and cantaloping. And yes. cantaloping. We, and... We've all made up those words with our own horses, that's for sure. Uh, so, so yes, for a newbie interested in checking it out, aerc.org. They've also got a writer's handbook. Go um, under the, the headline or the menu of uh, new writer stuff or education, I believe it is, and check out the new writer handbook. And, and a lot of the uh, smaller handbook. ones, like Jennifer's looking at doing, what, 10 miles, Jennifer? So you're not, you know, yes, you don't have to do 50 miles miles. No, so. there's intro rides. So you could yeah. just start out doing, you know, some of them are eight miles or 10 miles or, um, you know, something, usually they're 15 or less. Uh, but that's an also great way to get started and to experience, let your horse experience the whole ride atmosphere. I just posted on my Facebook wall, a picture from 18 years ago, uh, from Las Vegas, uh, where I took chief to a ride. He didn't do the ride. He just went to travel and camp and hang out and learn how to eat and learn how to be in the atmosphere. And uh, that's how I started exposing him to the sport was just taking him along as, uh, you know, he got to go and camp and eat. <laughs> and he, he liked that part. And then uh, a year or two later, I started competing on him. Sounds terrific. Well, thank you, Karen, once again for joining us. What's your website? Um, KarenChatton.com. KarenChatton.com. That's where you'll find it. And if you want to find past episodes of uh, this, of the endurance show that we've done here every month for the last five years, just go to horsesinthemorning.com and scroll in the middle of the page. There's all kinds of little banners of all the specialty shows we do here once a month, and you'll see endurance on there. Click on that, and it'll bring up all the past endurance episodes right in a row, and you can go back and listen to them. Uh, I'm sure Karen would appreciate that. And we will be back here tomorrow. Uh, Jamie will be here, so we'll have a normal Wednesday episode here for you tomorrow. And if you want to see all of the shows on the Horse Radio Network, go to horseradionetwork.com or get our app, iOS or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network. It's free, it's simple, it's easy to download, and it's easy to listen to all 17 of our shows there. We put out about 80 episodes a month, so you're going to find something you like in that mix. 
Uh, and that's about it for this month. So have a good, safe, make a wise decision this weekend, okay? <laughs> and stay warm. Stay warm. Make a wise decision. Don't go driving over any passes where there's 10 feet of snow. Okay. <laughs> we won't. All we'll right. Be careful. Good luck. For we'll sure. be thinking about you. Thanks, Glenn. Mm-hmm.